You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. All right. How you rowdies doing this morning? Good. <laughs> well, it's good to see you today. And uh, like you've already heard, in case you're new here, we've been in this series called 21 Days of Prayer in which we've been committing ourselves to fasting, doing without something, and praying for 21 days. Uh, and so uh, next Sunday, our fast and our praying will be over, and we're fasting to add power to our prayers. And so some people are going on like these full fasts. Some people are fasting from one thing, like maybe meat, or some people are fasting from multiple things, you know, like maybe meat and uh heaven forbid, coffee, or, you know, some people, chocolate. Other people are doing without some things like maybe social media, internet, or TV, um, that type of thing, because it helps us to focus in on the Lord during this 21 days of prayer. And we've been making this declaration every week that prayer is our first response, not our last resort. And so I'm going to say the first half of that declaration. You guys help me by finishing it. You ready? Here we go. Uh, prayer is our first response, very good. You get an A for effort on that one. And so uh, there's this term that some Christians will use from time to time called the prayer closet. No doubt some of you have heard that. Kind of shake your head if you've have heard prayer closet. And I want to show you where that comes from today because typically if you hear the term prayer closet, you know, we think of closets as something maybe bad, like you got skeletons in your closet or something bad in your closet. So um, the boogeyman's in the closet. So what, what we're talking about here today is a good kind of closet. In order to show you where this is found, we have to go back and read the old King James version of the Bible because that's the translation that uses that term, and that's where that came from. So look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. It says, um, and you got to get used to the old English here. You got to get down with old English. Says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to st uh, pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Verily, I say to you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy what? Closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in what? Secret shall reward thee openly. Thou hast to loveth the King James Version of the Bible, doesn't thou, right? Fantastic. But I've got a question for you today, and it's, hopefully we'll unpack this question and answer it today. What is it that's in the closet that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 6? And what you got to understand about Jesus' ministry, it'll help you understand the Bible, is that he was speaking to primarily Jewish people when he said this. And when they're thinking about a prayer closet, they're not thinking about that room in your house where you keep the broom or where you keep your clothes, but they're thinking about something altogether different, and it's related to this. This is called in the Hebrew, uh, it's like a talith, talith uh, is, is what it's called. It's the prayer shawl. And I found this one uh, in Jerusalem, uh, and I love my prayer shawl. But Jewish people, and particularly Jewish rabbis, will wear their prayer shawl around. And uh, the the name or the word uh, talith uh, actually is two words. The tal is little, and then the if is like uh, tent. So it can be like a little tent. And you'll understand why here in just a second. Because when Jesus says, "Get in your prayer closet," the Jewish people would who would have heard him would take their prayer shawl and they would put it over their head like this, and this is their prayer closet. 
So I want to take you just for a minute uh, by way of picture to the Western Wall in Jerusalem, and you can see the people there praying, and notice how they cover themselves like I just did. What they're doing is they're getting into their prayer closet. And so the prayer closet is a place of intimacy with God. You can get into your prayer closet even when you're in a public space or uh, when you're around a lot of people, or you can get into it when you're alone. It is a state of mind. But uh, prayer in the closet uh, means like secrecy and intimacy with God. It's like the secret place with God. Um, You know, some of you who are married, you have like these little secret names with your spouse, right? You, you, you don't use those names in public um, most of the time. We don't want you to use those names in public. <laughs> we don't want to hear the, you're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. We don't want to hear that, but keep that at home. But that means you're intimate, intimate with each other, doesn't it? And God wants to call you by name in secret. Um, look at Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3. The prophet there says, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. What? What kind of riches? Secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. See, God wants to speak to you in a unique way, and he knows you by name, wants to be intimate with you. So how is it that you get your mindset into the closet. I mean, for some people, you have a room in your home where you can go get alone with God. Others like to take a prayer walk. Some like to go out into nature. If you're in a crowded home and you can't seem to find a space by yourself in your home, just get in your bed, pull the covers over your head to create a prayer closet so you can be alone with God and speak to Him. But what else is in the closet here? Well, we'll see when we look at the passage that led the Jews to wear these prayer shawls and to create them. Look at Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hem of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desire. And so you'll see these tassels that were intentionally placed on the prayer shawl. There are six of these little uh, tassels, I guess, hanging off each side. And so when you add up both sides, it makes 12 tassels there of the small ones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But the one I want to talk more about today are the big tassels that hang on the corners of the prayer shawl. And these are called the seat Z. Say seat Z with me. Can you do that? Seat Z. Okay, and I took a picture and put it, uh, we put it on screen for you so you can see a little more of what I'm talking about here as I describe the details of the seat Z. See, the seat Z has five different knots and that was intentional. They made five knots on the tzitzit to represent the five books of the Torah. That was their Bible at the time, the Torah, the five books. In fact, today, uh, you read the Torah when you read the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, these these are the Torah. Uh, But another thing that you'll see as you look at uh, the prayer shawl here is that the tzitzit actually has 
a numeric value. So the total numeric value of the tzitzit is 613. Let me show you how we get there. See, in the Hebrew language, you've got to understand that they don't have numbers in their language. You know, in English, we have our letters and numbers. They just have letters. And so they've given numeric value to different characters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so the word tzitzit uh, actually has a numeric value of 600. But because there are five knots and eight strings on the tzitzit, you, what's five plus eight? Mathematicians, not hard. 13, right? So you take the numeric value of the word tzitzit, this is the way they designed it, is 600, uh, and, and then the five and the eight plus 13 equals 613, right? So there are 613 laws within the Torah that Jewish people are supposed to abide by and live by. And so the tzitzit reminds them of the book of the law. But another thing you'll see about the tzitzit is that there are windings, and the, even the windings are intentional. Let me explain what I mean by windings. You know when you go fishing and you're tying a knot on your fishing hook, you know, you've you got to tie the hook on there, tie the lure on there. You wind the fishing line around there several times, right? You have a certain number that you do. If you're going fishing with me, you're wrapping it seven times. That's the way it works the best. It'll hold the fish on there. And then you put it through the hole and you tighten the, the hook on the fishing line, right? Well, in the same way, they were intentional about the windings here on the seat Z. And so what you're going to see is between the first two knots, there are seven windings. Between the second two knots, there are going to be eight windings, then 11 windings, and then 13 windings uh, between the last two knots. So what does this sequence of numbers mean? Seven, eight, 11, and 13. Well, if you add seven plus eight, you get 15. And in the Hebrew language, the number 15 has the, uh, the, has the letter value of Yodhe, those two characters in the Hebrew language, Yodhe. And then if you look at the, the number 11, it's Vavhe, which is uh, in English WH. So what this makes is Yahweh, the name of God, or it's also known as the Tetragrammaton the name of God in the Old Testament of the Bible. And then the last 13 windings, that represents something too. Uh, that becomes the word echad in the Hebrew, which means one. So when Jewish people look at this tassel here, the sitzi, they think Yahweh is one. But what you got to understand is that for a Jewish person to say God's name is a significant thing. You can't just say his name, right? You, you know, it's like, it's a big deal for Yahweh to, uh, to reveal his name that you could actually say it. In fact, some of you know Jewish people, and when they write God, they won't even spell it all out today. Yahweh's name is to be honored when we go into our prayer closets. And I remember uh, the days when I was uh, away from the Lord, struggling spiritually, trying to get back. You know, I felt guilt and shame over uh, my lifestyle. I was out of the ministry at that time. My marriage was struggling and all that. And I was, I've, I've told you about that season of my life many times, but I was praying and I found this prayer in Psalm 2511. It says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And so when we go to Lord in prayer, 
We're saying, God, not just to make me feel better about myself, but God, for your name's sake, will you please uh, answer my prayer so that I can give honor and glory to your name for what you've done. But another thing I want to show you about uh, the tzitzi is that it's, it's a custom of Jewish people to hold the four tzitzi in their left hand, and they'll kiss them because that indicates they love the Word of God, that it's not just a set of rules, but the commands of God are something to love. And part of what we do when we get into our prayer closets, when we get alone with God, is that we want to love His Word and allow the prayer and time with Him to adjust our hearts to be in alignment with His Holy Word, His commands, and what He wants us to do. And so what else is in the closet? Well, another thing you're going to find uh, in the prayer closet is healing healing. You know that uh, Jewish people, when they would walk around with these uh, prayer shawls on, sometimes the wind might blow and pick them up, or Jewish people are very expressive and will talk with their hands. And when someone spreads out their arms to talk, what does it look like? Wings, right? So the edge of the prayer shawl here is known as the wings, So keep that in mind about the wings when we go to the New Testament and there's a story about a woman who had a bleeding problem. And this particular woman's bleeding problem was embarrassing and shameful for her. In fact, it made her ceremonially unclean. So she couldn't even go to church, which in her context would have been synagogue or the temple. She couldn't even go because she was considered clean, unclean with this bleeding problem. And then if she touched someone else, then they were considered unclean. So can you imagine the shame that she felt and the embarrassment from this problem until one day Jesus is walking by and the Bible tells us this woman walks up and touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. Why did that happen? What, what all's going on there? Well, that woman who was Jewish would have no doubt known the prophecy of Malachi about Messiah. And look at that prophecy in Malachi 4.2. It says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his what? Wings. So when she touched the hem of his garment, she was saying, I believe you to be the Messiah. And so not only do we get uh, healing from physical things sometimes uh, when we come under his wings, but we can also get healed of emotional stuff too, like, you know, like the the need for approval. Anybody struggle with approval addiction? You worry about what other people say about you or whatever people think of you, and pastors are at the front of that line, right? Pastors love people to love them, and it's like, oh, how was my sermon, you know? So there's this one pastor that uh, he told his church that he was assigned to another church. He was going to leave his church and go to another church, and this lady in the church found out her pastor was leaving she started crying and he's like consoling her he's like they're there ma'am it's okay i'm sure the next pastor is going to be even better than i was and she keeps crying she said oh but uh, that's what they keep saying but they just keep getting worse you know (laughs) but here's the deal is that when you get in under his wings under the prayer closet it heals you of approval addiction because you know you're not praying for anyone else's approval, but you're just praying to God just between you and Him. But one of the things I want to show you today is that the most important thing that you find underneath His wings is the protection of the gospel. 
So look with me at uh, Matthew 23, 37. It says, Oh, Jerusalem. Jesus is praying here. He says, Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her what? Wings. But you wouldn't let me. And you know, some of you have heard the gospel of Christ many, many times. You know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And he's drawing you to himself. And it's like you won't let him bring you underneath his wings, which is his heart's desire to do, to protect you for all of eternity. And so as we continue to look at Jesus' story, um, after he prays over Jerusalem, he will spread his wings again when he spread his arms to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and for yours. But one of the things you got to understand about Jesus and his story and the Jewish story is that um, he's dead, right? Well, Jewish people loved their, their prayer shawls so much and still do to this day, many of them, is that the rabbis have a certain way of folding their prayer shawl. You know, like the honor guard does with the American flag. They have this very specific intentional way that they fold um, their, their flags in, in the same way Jesus would have folded his prayer shawl in a certain way. In fact, they love their prayer shawl so much that they're oftentimes buried with their prayer shawl. So what will happen is, is they'll wrap the body in linen and then they'll cut off a corner of the prayer shawl and cover the body with it, oftentimes covering the head of the deceased. And so I want you to keep that background in mind as we go to the tomb of Jesus. When Peter goes there, he's missing his Lord. He goes to visit his tomb. And look at John chapter 20, verse 6. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was what? Folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. You see what's going on there? Peter's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Jesus is dead. But that's the way Jesus folds his. It's like Jesus gave us a clue. He's like, guys, it's all good. I just left my prayer shawl as a clue to you that in answer to your question, what's in the closet? There ain't nothing in this closet because I've risen again from the dead and I'm alive to answer the prayers of my people who come to me in their closets. Right on? And so look, here's what we're going to do at this point. You know, we're going to have our prayer moment. We're going to stand up and worship here and sing and all that. And we even, Margot was good enough to make some little makeshift prayer shells for you at the front of the stage. By the way, those are not, aren't parting gifts, so if you use it, you know, just leave it here after the service. So, um, so we're going to come and pray, and I want to come and pray and get in my little tent, and I want to invite you, if you'd like to, to come and find some healing underneath his wings, to come and pray underneath his wings, because some of you are praying for very significant things during these 21 days of prayer. I want you to come and pray under his wings for healing in physical bodies. I want you to come and pray under the protection of his wings for the healed marriage. I want you to come and pray underneath his wings for that wayward teenager or for those financial issues in your lives or perhaps someone has come to faith in him today. It's like you don't know what has happened to you, but in your heart, some presence that feels like love 
is drawing you to God to have relationship with him. So let's stand up together now and as Jake and Akilah sing for us and lead us in singing, let's come and pray under his wings. Lord, as we are still just for a moment in your presence, I know that as a good, loving, caring, perfect heavenly father, you're feeling the pain that others are feeling as they pray before you and you love your people and you see every tear that they shed. And as our people hurt, we know that your heart hurts with them and the rest of us who are Christ followers here are praying along with our brothers and sisters as they hurt. And we ask that you would bring healing in their lives and answer their prayers. And Lord Jesus, we know that you've brought some here today for an ultimate kind of healing purpose to draw into your family that they were not your children but now they're going to become your kids someone is going to become your son your daughter today and as we continue in prayer maybe that's you and you would want to talk to God right now and start a relationship with him and you can do that simply by believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So if you'd like, just say this prayer in your own heart and your mind to God. In the intimacy of your own heart, just pray, God, I know I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that when Jesus spread his wings on the cross, he died for me. God, I welcome you into my heart and my life to be your child. Father, I thank you for the many good things you're doing among us here today as we willingly, voluntarily, some <laughs> up front, others at their seats. We're getting in our prayer closets uh, under your wings. Some just pull their hoodie up. and <laughs> It's like, you know... I'm under your wings to receive healing from approval addiction, from depression, from whatever else that we might be thinking. Thank you for the good work you're doing among us. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.